where every quarter, new functionality, new features, new technology are introduced to the product. And so what that does is really, rather than doing these big monolithic upgrades that you tended to do in the old days, you know, once a year you had to do an upgrade. And when we talked about business disruption, it's probably nothing more disruptive than an upgrade. What you're doing is you're getting all this great technology and small bites, and you're able to more easily integrate that into your business and use that technology then to streamline it. This is the ERP Organizational Change Journal podcast, brought to you by Nestle & Associates, a Newport Beach, California-based ERP organizational change management firm serving the private equity industry. The ERP OCJ seeks to share expertise, insight, experience, and research, and to create effective conversation to help guide ERP organizational change to real, measurable, and verified success. And now, here's your ERP expert and host, the founder of Nestle & Associates, Dr. Jack Nestle. Hello everyone, Jack here. In this episode, we will explore the power of cloud ERP solutions for driving business growth and scaling. We'll dive into the industry-specific strategies that address common challenges and contribute to sustained expansion. Our expert guest shares valuable insights on achieving impressive growth rates, streamlining scaling processes, and fostering thoughtful business growth through tailored ERP implementation techniques. Today, we are joined by Ralph Hess. Ralph is a seasoned expert with over 30 years of experience in ERP implementation for early stage and mid-market companies. As the EVP of Sales and Marketing at Navigator Business Solutions, Ralph has a proven track record in driving impressive cloud ERP growth and providing industry-specific solutions for businesses in life sciences, B2B, DTC, and professional services. A strong advocate for technology for business sake, Ralph ensures the right technology is implemented for each customer's unique needs. Joining us from Springfield, Massachusetts, Ralph, welcome to the show. Hey, Jack. Thanks so much. That was a very kind introduction. I appreciate that. You bet, Ralph. Really looking forward to sharing out your expertise and your insights with our listeners. So um, I can't wait uh, to get started here. But before we do, Ralph, can you uh, please further introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure, Jack. I'm happy to uh, share a little bit more about myself. I've uh, been in the industry for a long time. Um, I'm currently in a position that is very oriented around sales and marketing and pre-sales, uh, leading a team of really qualified experts in those areas. But what we do is focus, as you mentioned, on technology for business sake. And that's a lesson that I learned a long time ago, over 30 years ago, when I was initially a, a programmer. They call them software developers or software engineers now. But really leverage that motto, get into business consulting, uh, technology consulting, founding my own company in the mid-90s, and eventually landing up here um, as a, a sales and thought leader at, at Navigator. Well, great. Well, thank you, Ralph. I'm really excited to share with our listeners today some of your great experience and expertise in really taking a deep dive and understanding of ERP solutions for early stage and mid-market companies and bringing your valuable insights. Listeners, all of us here at the ERP OCJ hope you find this podcast useful as we share lessons learned, discover best practices, and explore the human element components of ERP organizational change. Please stay with us till the end. Ralph will give us his actionable golden nugget of advice based on today's conversation, and I will recap today's discoveries and offer my suggestions on how to implement what we've learned. Our conversations here at the ERP OCJ are built around the listen and learn approach, and it's when you apply what you've learned that you begin to move the needle forward. So let's dive in. 
All right, Ralph, could you share with us the key factors that contributed to achieving 25% cloud ERP growth for two years in a row at Navigator? What was the success? Why is that? How did that happen? What value are you bringing to the market? You know, that's a substantial metric of uh, positive performance, right? So can you maybe give our listeners some insight in uh, how you were able to do that? Sure, Jack. Happy to share that. I've been at Navigator for uh, six years now. And really about three years ago, we made a, a very strategic decision to really start to focus around specific industries that had a cloud mindset. That's so that's kind of the first thing that you're looking for is to identify prospective customers that have a cloud mindset and finding the right industries that were growing at that period of time. Now, in this case, if you look at our website, you'll see we have a lot of focus in regulated industries, primarily life sciences being the biotech industry um, as a subset of that life science industry. And there was a lot of growth coming out of the pandemic. And so what we had was companies that had really gotten the feasibility right around their science. They had gotten investment. They were looking to be able to put in place proper business process. That's really what one of their things their investors were looking for, was to make sure that what they were investing in not only had good science, but also had really good standardized business processes because they knew they needed to have that in place before they could scale. And so as we take a look at what were the, the secrets, right, it was identifying the right customers, the right industry, honing our skills in that particular industry, so really creating a package or a solution of best practices that that industry or industries, when we start to talk about consumer products, um, could adopt in order to implement quickly, have a rapid time to value on that implementation, and then be able to scale off of that. So that's really, as, as we looked at it, we really refined our marketing. I had really good targeting, had a good solution offering, had good references, and we're able to demonstrate the value to those prospective customers and achieve, you know, that that growth that you've you referenced. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ralph. What would you say in your experience then? So once you present your offering and your value to your clients, what would you say in your experience are some of the challenges then, some of the common challenges that businesses face when trying to leverage or implement their ERP solution and specifically cloud ERP? I think that probably the biggest challenge that early stage or high growth companies, I mean, you can call them either one, right, um, is the human capital constraints that they have. Mm -hmm. um, in fast growing companies or in early stage companies or even in late stage companies, people have so many different jobs and, and responsibilities today um, that they have to attend to. And so oftentimes the ERP project, which isn't always a lot of fun, will perhaps get short shrift in terms of uh, an individual's prioritization within their, within their day. So really, as we take a look at it, the biggest challenge is inside those organizations, having the proper change management control. So you have good leadership. The leadership is setting the tone and the direction for the project, setting the appropriate priorities, and then having them involved with the people in the business and in the project to ensure that they are properly focused on achieving the results that they're looking for in the project. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that being said, oftentimes that's one of the first questions that a prospect will ask us is, you know, how much time are my people going to have to spend on this particular project? 
And it's surprising when we give them the number. You know, most times people think about old time ERP implementations where people are working, you know, uh, days, nights, weekends to be able to get their project responsibilities done. Um, with the way that we implement using, again, this, you know, kind of fit to standard best practices cloud mindset, people are oftentimes not spending any more than 10 hours a week on the project over the course of, you know, maybe a three month, four month project. So it's far less onerous than they originally think it to be. So once we lay that out, then the leadership is able to really properly steer their people and help them see the project in the right light. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Um, you know, Ralph, one of the things that, that you mentioned, and I think you talk about this on your website, is this idea of streamlining business scaling with unified cloud ERP solutions. Can you explain to our listeners the process of scaling from early stage to full commercialization using a single cloud solution? Can you elaborate on that idea? Yeah, yes, happy to do that, Jack. And, and, and that terminology really relates uh, to regulated industries and, and life sciences. But the mm -hmm. same holds true for companies that are product consumer products based or wholesale distribution based. Mm -hmm. So the concept is that we employ what we call a crawl, walk, run philosophy, which is what you want to do is you want to crawl, you want to get your initial system configured, set up and get operational on it. In the case of a, a life science company, that may mean that during their clinical trial stage, they're getting financials, they're getting project management, and they're getting inventory tracking and purchasing up and running. And so what that does when you talk about streamlining is we're usually taking people from you know running QuickBooks, uh, running a bunch of different spreadsheets, and somebody created a separate access database, and there's no unified single source of truth. People underestimate how costly in terms of time and efficiencies running something like that is. Mm -hmm. And so when we can stand up that what we call phase one of the project, it sets the stage for them to have a unified version of all the information they need. It increases the speed of their business decisions, increases their efficiencies, obviously. And it sets the stage to be able to then grow into the rest of the solution. Now, what's great about the SAP solutions that we implement is it comes with all of the components that you really need, all the applications that you need already there. And it's a matter of configuring them rather than having to install, you know, an add-on product to accomplish production, add-on product to accomplish requisitioning or quality or things like that. So people are already in the user interface. And now when it's time to move on to more of you know, the, the clinical, uh, move out of clinical stage and into commercialization, they're already familiar with the solution. They're already familiar with the user interface. And so now what we're going to do is just configure and activate additional features of the software for them to start to use. And so that gets us into our walk phase. And now as we look at it, now we're, we're running our financials, we're running our supply chain, we're up and running and we're, you know, producing and shipping product. And now when it comes to really accelerating, um, we can start to apply some of the, you know, advanced kind of planning, advanced logistics, perhaps bring uh, e-marketplaces into place that allow them to then be able to handle more volume. And so what we're doing is laying the foundation, a strong foundation that, that has all the proper controls in it. And then all you're doing is kind of turning up, turning it up, turning it up until the point that you're handling the volume at full commercialization. Um, if in the regulated environment, that's a fully validated solution, meaning that it's FDA qualified. 
And uh, that's when we're at the run phase. Got it. And so, Ralph, what, what would you say are some of the benefits of using a single cloud solution as opposed to multiple solutions or even on-prem for businesses in, in the various industries that, that you work with? Great question. And, and one that, uh, you know, when you're in the sales cycle, we have to answer this all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I think a unified, one of, the, one of the biggest things is a unified user experience, right? So if you're in a single kind of uh, cloud in a box or, you know, suite in a box or, or federated type cloud solution where all of the user interfaces are the same, right? People have an easier time moving from application to application. It becomes familiar to them. And, and it also, in, in this world, we're allowed to personalize that user experience, at least on the SAP solutions that we're engaged with. And so it's been proven that when you can personalize and have a consistent user experience, you're getting 30% more productivity out of your people. So that's that's one reason why you would want to have a unified solution. Now, then you're starting to talk about, okay, well, I can do that on-prem or I can do it in the cloud. Well, I think that it, a lot of it comes down to the total cost of ownership, what you want to be spending your human capital on. So in, in, in the on-prem world where you have to have uh, you know more IT personnel, more people doing the care and the feeding of the solution, um, you're not spending capital on actually your product or what I would call your secret sauce or getting into additional markets. So as you take a look at some of the SAP solutions that we represent, the subscription covers everything. It covers the hosting, it covers the upgrades, it covers the continuous innovation, uh, it handles your whole DevOps. And so again, you're taking that, that effort and energy out of your business, which is non-core to your business, and actually redeploying that type of resource uh, investment into what will help make you more money. Yeah. And Ralph, well, first, can you share with our listeners, you'd mentioned a couple of times SAP products. Can you, for the benefit of our listeners, share what those products are that uh, Navigator Business Solutions supports? Yes. We handle the full, what we'll call a mid-market suite of products with SAP, the ERP solutions. So it starts at the lower end with SAP Business One. Then there's SAP Business by Design, uh, which is a, a product that's been around for 13 years, which despite some, some recent press is uh, not being sunset by SAP, but rather is, uh, is being put in a mode where it's, since it's a mature product, they're going to continue to innovate and do updates inside the application for things like taxes and regulatory compliance, things like that. And they're going to then push innovation through the business technology platform, which is a whole nother topic we could talk about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're also engaged in, in bringing to market S4 HANA Cloud Public Edition, which is the full name of that solution. Yeah. So, so Ralph, let me ask you this. I mean, you touched on this, I think, but let me ask you a common CXO question that you probably get and your team gets a lot during the sales process. But maybe dig a little deeper here on this, but how does Navigator Business Solutions ensure a seamless transition for businesses as they scale? You know, it's all about business disruption, right? And, and that's a big conversation, or, or usually it's at least a conversation, you know, when organizations go through any sort of change with their ERP solutions. Um, yes. but how, do you, how do you make that a seamless transition? What does that look like to you guys? And how do you make sure that happens? Yeah, so I, I think it, it starts with making sure you have a, the right project charter and project team around it. So having a project charter, having a, a steering committee, having a good project team. And 
understanding why you're doing the project in the first place. Because if if you don't have a good reason for doing the project, right? I always I always when I'm talking to my sales guys, I say, what's their compelling event, right? If if we happen to be just making a change for, I'm not going to say for change sake, right? Nobody would ever really do that today. But if there isn't a compelling material business reason why to get off of one platform and onto another, then it's going to be a tough project. Yeah. And so that's where it comes down to what the reason is, what the product charter is, et cetera. Now, inside of all of that is to minimize the disruption, Jack, which is what, you know, you're absolutely right. Disruption is really one of the reasons that people will make a no decision, right? They'll say, oh my goodness, this, this just isn't worth, <laughs> this isn't worth the energy. We'll just stick with what we got yeah. for a while and, and, and kind of what do we call kick the can down the street a little bit, right? Then as we take a look at that project organization, having the right people from our side engage with that. So what we do is we, we look to align the right. So we, we always have an executive sponsor who on our part is either Russell DeLapp, the EVP of services and, and support, or, or Vasim Mystery is his director of the practice. Um, so that we're talking right to the executives. So if there's any escalations, they're addressed and talked through at the steering committee. The project manager from our side is aligned with the project manager from the customer. Our subject matter experts are aligned with the subject matter experts on the customer side. And so it's constant communication. It's rapid decisions is going to be one of the biggest things that we like to make sure that we ensure. So we actually, in our statement of work, um, talk about the fact that, hey, when there's a business decision, it needs to be made within three days. Otherwise, we're going to escalate it. Because as you're looking to make good, fast decisions, that's going to be a little bit like ripping the Band-Aid off, right? It, it hurts mm-hmm. a lot less if you just get it done quickly as opposed to yeah, right. let's debate this over the next mm-hmm. two weeks. So again, I, I'll talk about it. Project charter, project organization, rapid decisions, and then continuous and constant communication is really another element of it that you you have to ensure. Mm-hmm. So, Ralph, what would you say are from your experience? You know, obviously, um, I know you and your, your organization and your team well, and you folks are very successful. But what would you say are some of the biggest challenges? You know, so you might have all the the right proper controls and processes in place, but the reality is you're working with organizations with lots of employees, lots of human beings. What would you say just in general are some of the challenges you see that may be most common? And then how do you and your team at Navigator Business Solutions kind of mitigate that challenge? I would say that it, it a lot of it all comes down to, again, you heard me reference this before, right? It's, it's the human element. And uh, you, you mentioned that, Jack, right? We're working with, with uh, companies that have lots of people, a lot of diverse uh, personalities, right? If you uh, talk to one person that's a CFO, that can be a completely different persona than another CFO. So you don't, you know, just because a person holds a title and a role, they're not going to be the same. They're not going to view things the same. They're not going to be as enthusiastic or as personable. So as we take a look at it, some of the biggest challenges really are centered around the human component of a project. It's just some experiences we've had, right? As you take a look at the people that are actually evaluating the software during the sales cycle, more often than not, once they've done the evaluation, they're oftentimes turning that project over to a project team to implement it. And so there's a disconnect between the evaluation and why it was selected, and then the people that are handed the project to implement. 
So one of the things we do when you talk about mitigation in that area is we're always asking to have all the stakeholders at the table or as many stakeholders at the table during the evaluation process. You know, for instance, I'll, I'll never, with all due respect to the IT people out there, right? We won't sell to the IT team. We have to have a CFO at the table, uh, you know, a controller, a director of finance. We need a director of operations, a COO. We need a chief product officer, chief sales officer at the table during the conversations because those are the people that once you've made the decision, it's going to be their teams that have to go move forward and implement it. And so what we try to do is create that good leadership for the project during the sales cycle itself. So that's, that's how we mitigate that. Another challenge that we have is turnover, um, not turnover on our side, but turnover on our customer side, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you look at the great retirement or the uh, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, over the last couple or three years, there's been a lot of change in terms of people's organizations. And so that's a very difficult one to, to mitigate. The best you can do really there is, is good project management, good documentation, and good processes to be able to bring that next person up to speed. So. Again, really the human element is, or the human factor is uh, yeah. what, what provides the primary challenges. Yeah, great points. Uh, thank you for that. And what can you share with our listeners about the differentiators with SAP products or SAP in general, right? So we hear this all the time, you know, why not Oracle? <laughs> why not Infor? Why not Epicor? Uh, I'll give you a chance to to plug SAP, but what would you say just in general, maybe even from a higher level, what, what are some of the differentiators that you could speak to in terms of the SAP products? Yeah, I would say that the SAP products have come a long way um, in terms of, of the user experience. I mean, as you take a look at it, SAP is known for ERP, right? They they invented the category. Uh, I think they're they're best known for the large enterprise. But that comes with uh, pluses and negatives, right? As we, as we take a look at getting into the mid-market, really kind of the, the small to mid-size to, to middle market, um, that becomes almost a, an anchor around our necks as we try to sell the software because everybody's thinking it's a $7 million software purchase and a $40 million implementation. Yeah. But what SAP has done really well is create a highly connected and integrated ERP solution, both with by design. And with S4 Cloud Public Edition, and they and they have it with Business One. I'm I'm going to kind of leave Business One to the side right now, um, although that's where you know my initial relationships with with SAP began. It's a really good ERP for the smaller size company. Yeah. But as you look at uh, kind of the pure cloud play and and cloud based uh, ERP solutions, what they've done is they've created a platform and uh, an openness through APIs, so it makes it easy to integrate with. Um, it makes their innovation that they can introduce to the product much easier to do. And uh, as you take a look at it, they have this concept of continuous innovation where every quarter, new functionality, new features, new technology are introduced to the product. And so what that does is really, it, rather than doing these big monolithic upgrades that you, that you tended to do in the old days, you know, once a year you had to do an upgrade. And when we talked about business disruption, it's probably nothing more disruptive than an upgrade. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you're getting all this great technology in small bites, and you're able to more easily integrate that into your business and use that technology then to streamline it. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that SAP is kind of holistic of view is, is the difference. 
Yeah. Well, Ralph, let me ask you this. What drives your passion for helping businesses grow and scale thoughtfully? Where's that passion come from? Uh, where, what, what could be more fun, Jack? <laughs> I mean, did I, I explained my earlier in my career, right? The the whole concept of using technology for business sake. Yeah. When you start to take a look at it, and and you take a look at you know, I'll do some name dropping now, right? I remember when we sold Rothy's shoes, which is a very high end shoe and, and now luxury brand. Um, I think we sold them four years ago, maybe five years ago, and I remember negotiating that deal in a hotel room in in the first. You know, I think the first cut first year was $141,000. They were coming off of QuickBooks and spreadsheets and things like that. Well, we put them on, on SAP Business by Design, really became their trusted advisor because they were experiencing such explosive growth that they wanted to rely on us in the expertise that we had and had built by helping Harry's Razors do the same thing. So we had some of our senior consulting team in there on a regular basis, um, kind of helping guide some of the decisions, leveraging our relationship with SAP to get some advanced thought leadership, you know, on retail and on consumer products. And it just, it's great to watch these companies grow. I mean, they're, they're now, you know, onwards to a billion dollar organization. We recently had a huge investment and, uh, and actually are now have outgrown by design and we've helped them on to the large SAP platform because that's the right thing for them. But when you look at it, it helps us, you know, we become kind of their trusted advisor and become a customer for life. And in that, you develop some great relationships and it's just a lot of fun to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. You know, it can be a challenging business at times, but there's something, it's it's certainly extremely rewarding when you can contribute to a healthy, vibrant, sustainable organization. Yeah. And that's and, really, you know, our, our passion for life sciences is born out of that, Jack. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. we have we have customers that are treating rare diseases in children, curing cancer, uh, producing vaccines for underserved communities. I mean, it's just it's yeah. remarkable some of the work that's being done by these companies. And and frankly, it makes our team extremely satisfied to be yeah. able to participate in those types of projects. Absolutely. Well, Ralph, I'm going to put you on the spot, but can you maybe think of a specific success story of a company, maybe give another example that you help scale through, you know, the SAP uh, solutions? Just sure, briefly, yeah. you know, give us give us a good example. Yeah, I think probably, you know, Rothy's is a great example, but I would say are probably the next best one uh, would be a company called uh, TriRx Pharmaceutical Services. This is a company that is a CDMO, contract drug manufacturing organization, and they started in 2019. What they tend to do is take over either abandoned facilities from large pharma or they kind of buy carve-outs from large pharma, underutilized plants. And so they started in 2019 with 12 employees in Huntsville, Alabama. And they they had a number of people that came from large pharma and knew what the SAP solution could do for them. They also knew that they couldn't pay a million dollars or more for the solution and couldn't spend years getting it implemented. What we did was went in with SAP Business by Design, got them up and running, meaning they were doing CRM, sales orders, inventory, production, in a 12-week period of time. By the way, just because you can doesn't mean you should. That was yeah. that was at breakneck speed, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that was all in adopting best practices. Okay, we'll take what's out of the box. And you know what? Today, 
They are running five plants, three countries, have over a thousand users on the system. And uh, that's not the end of their scaling story. Hmm. So they're very successful. They operate in the UK, France, uh, the US, um, have plants again in, in five different plants in, in those countries and uh, are a, a huge success story for us. And, and frankly, one of our biggest cheerleaders. Oh, that's super. Great story, Ralph. I, you know, it's just so fun to hear those stories and successes like that. And Ralph, before I let you go here, I have three more questions I'd like to ask you, but I, I appreciate your time. Sure. What do you have to say about customization? Just in general, what, do you have a rule of thumb there? What should organizations consider? And then maybe just in the context of SAP products, what does that look like? But just generally, what's your thoughts on customization? Well, customization is not actually a four-letter word. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and I say that in sales sales presentations, right? But what we need to do is make sure that what's in the box doesn't work as efficiently as, as you need to, right? The customization needs to have a material impact on the business process. And it, it needs to either streamline it or it needs to significantly enhance it in a way that couldn't possibly be done any other way. That being said, there's a new mantra in the market called keep the core clean, clean core meaning that you don't ever really want to customize the core application. You want to perhaps extend that with side-by-side, side, You know, meaning that maybe it's process automation that you need to apply for a customization. Um, if you need to do in-app customization, you want to keep that as light as possible, meaning keep the core process it is as structured in the, the original way as possible using whatever technology is offered. And, and most of them, frankly, today, Jack, will have uh, you know software development kits that allow you to develop in a layer outside the actual core of the application. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we try to keep it as far away from the core as possible, as light as possible, and, and make sure that there's an ROI on it. You know, you don't never want to do a customization just because, hey, this is the way it used to work. Anytime somebody says, we need to do this because we've been doing it that way for 10 years, I usually have a fairly impassioned discussion with them. <laughs> Ralph, what, what do you say? You know, so as, as you mentioned, I mean, the, the ERP market, you know, that space is pretty competitive, right? It is. And, and the reason I asked you about differentiators earlier in our conversation is because that's, you know, that's a pretty important question. And that's something we get into in quite a bit of depth when we go through our ERP selection processes. And, you know, not, not every ERP system is the best fit, you know, for an organization for a variety of reasons. But what advice do you have for private equity firms or their portfolio companies when it comes to selecting ERP solutions? I would really take a look at the industries, right? So port codes are usually going to be of, of a similar industry, right? And, and I, there are going to be some solutions that are better for some industries than others. So I would look for track history in the industry. Beyond that, I would say that, and I hope my SAP friends aren't listening, you know, most ERPs will do the job these days. What you want to do is you want to take a look at what the future of that particular solution looks like. And most importantly, you want to take a look at the partner or systems integrator, as we're oftentimes called, and understand their expertise in the industry and the fit of their expertise to the customer that's evaluating the software. So, 
Ralph, let me ask you this. You just mentioned understand, quote, the future of a specific solution. So when it comes to emerging technologies and AI, do you have any thoughts or anything you can say about the future of SAP products? Is there any one thing that's that's exciting uh, that you're kind of seeing in the, in the, not in the marketplace in general, but with SAP specifically uh, in yeah. terms of emerging technologies? Yeah, I would say that, you know, as you look at SAP today, they're vastly different than they were two years ago. Um, the emergence of BTP, business technology platform, is going to be the real differentiator for them, in my mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. We've adopted it. We now have a BTP practice because we see that the the capability to innovate with that solution, whether it be through integrations, robotic process, automation, whether it be through you know advanced analytics, machine learning, um, yeah. all of those things are, are really becoming consumable now through the BTP for the lower end of the mid-market. And so I think their ability to leverage their learnings and the technology that they've been offering to the big guys and making it more consumable through the BTP um, for, I'm not going to call the little guys, right, but for the small to mid-sized guys, um, is going to be a huge differentiator for them going forward. As it relates to AI, I was just at Sapphire um, which is their largest uh, user conference down in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made the announcement that that there's uh, AI is going to be introduced into every one of their products. And so as as you take a look at the possibility of AI, you know what what I always refer to as the possibilities, what are the possibilities that you can accomplish? Well, it's really pretty significant when it comes to a, a SaaS offering. When you could go ahead and, and ask for an AI for assistance on, you know, hey, I, I'm having trouble with this transaction. How do I get through that? Or what's the best way to do that? Or, you know, show me, uh, you know, the customers who are having, dis, you know, descending uh, order frequency. Uh, or increasing order frequency, or you know the margin on a customer, et cetera. The possibilities are endless, and I think that SAP's embracing of of the AI is going to make a difference. So BTP and AI, robotic process automation, machine learning, all those things now that once you get out of the kind of the utility room of the ERP, that's where all the innovation is going to come in, and how you leverage that innovation um, in enhancing. The ERP is going to be what the real secret is. And I think SAP has a huge jump start on that. Absolutely. And, you know, Ralph, one of the things that I'm very interested in, right, like, it, you know, ERP organizational change, uh, that's what we call it, ERP implementation, right. is very much a triad, right? It's the relationship between people or the organizational culture, the processes and the technology. And just looking back throughout history, and if you, if you were to study ERP systems, you know, we've come a long way since the mid 90s or so. And one of the things that's fascinating for me, it's a fascinating topic is, again, it's that dynamic relationship between those three key pieces, right? This is a high level in terms of successful ERP organizational change. But the idea of AI, I think that's going to have a profound effect on ERP organizational change in general. And, you know, we're going to talk more about that, but it's really a very interesting, very fascinating topic as far as where the technology is going to go in terms of it adding value to the business environment. Yeah, I completely completely agree with that, Jack. I think that, you know, I've been doing a lot of listening to podcasts and I've been doing some research on my own and, uh, you know, downloaded ChatGBT on my phone. And, uh, you know, I think that if you're not at least evaluating it, playing with it, understanding what I'll call the possibilities, 
um, mm-hmm. you're going to do yourself a disservice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well said. And, you know, there, there's going to be, you know, pros and cons, uh, even at the organizational level as it's implemented and rolled out. But yeah, the example you gave where you just asked the question and maybe just verbally, you know, you're going to have a personal assistant sitting at your desk and, and you just ask a question and it will go in and fix the problem and figure out exactly where the transactions are, you know, where the issues are and where the variance is caused from. And I, I mean, I think it's just going to take it to a whole new level. So it's, it's quite fascinating. All right, Ralph, let me ask you the last question here. And that is, what is your golden nugget of advice for our listeners based on today's conversation? So for just imagine for a minute, you got a, you got a portfolio company or maybe a private equity firm. They're just right on the edge of selecting an ERP system and then implementation. What would you like to leave them with today? That's uh, I always love these questions. Uh, you know, I would say that if, if you're evaluating an ERP today, don't think about what ERP was last year. Think about implementing a good base platform based on best practices and what that solution has planned for the next one to two to three years and align that with what your objectives are for your portfolio, for your port codes, right? Because as, as uh, obviously, if you're, if you're an investor, if you're, if you're holding on to assets, you're going to look to get a return on those assets, and leveraging the right technology to get that return is going to be really critical. I think that having commonality across your portfolio companies with a single platform, single solution, and having that single version of the truth that can be actionable, and, and again, integrated with some of these great technologies like machine learning or artificial intelligence is going to be really the, the key for moving forward. So that's that would be my golden nugget. Yeah. Well, thank you. That That's good. I appreciate it. So, uh, Ralph, well, thank you uh, for your time. And so, listeners, today we've uncovered the immense potential of cloud ERP solutions and driving business growth and scaling. Uh, Ralph shared some invaluable insights into specific industry-specific strategies for overcoming challenges and fostering sustainable expansion. We talked about you know some of the differentiators with SAP, and and we talked about customization. There were some great insights there, uh, and we talked a little bit about the uh, understanding the future of ERP solutions and that should be considered in the selection process. And then we talked about SAP and this idea of business technology platform. And we'll include a link to that in our show notes with a little more information for our listeners so you can uh, understand that a little bit more. And then we talked about AI and, and its uh, impact, which I think will be profound on ERP solutions here in the near future. So. To truly benefit from today's discussion, we encourage you to implement some of these insights within your portfolio companies and organizational change initiatives. Remember, it's when you've applied what you've learned that you truly begin to move the needle forward. Uh, Ralph, thank you so much for your time today. We truly appreciate your dedication to the trade. I appreciate your passion. And, you know, it really was a pleasure. Uh, Thanks for sharing. But before we go, please uh, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you or your team. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Jack, it's been awesome being able to share some of our experiences with you and the listeners. Uh, To contact us, please visit us at uh, www.nbs-us.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Ralph Hess, and look for Navigator Business Solutions as well. Or you can reach me via email at ralph.hess at nbs-us.com. Super. Well, thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, be well and, uh, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Jack. You bet. Take care. 
Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the ERP OCJ podcast. This podcast is intended as a forum to study, share, and discuss ERP organizational change successes and challenges. We discuss the people, process, and technological components of ERP organizational change by drawing on knowledge from extensive research, collaborative learning, and practitioner expertise and experience. We are incredibly grateful to have friends, colleagues, and mentors join us in our podcast as we seek to promote, connect, and foster relationships in the ERP organizational change community and contribute to its success by bringing research and practice closer together. We want to make sure this is the most useful and insightful ERP podcast you listen to, and we'd love your help in doing so by leaving us feedback and a review. A great place to do so is at Apple Podcasts. Just click on the Listen in Apple Podcasts link, then click Ratings and Reviews, and let us know your thoughts. You can get more info about the show, including show notes and episode highlights for this and all of our episodes by visiting nestleandassociates.com and clicking the podcast option. Please join us again next week as we discuss the latest ERP organizational change research, practice, and stories. And don't forget to follow us on social media, hashtag the ERPOCJ. Thanks again for listening. Have a fantastic week.